the FEC in a two-year probe finds AOC and her former chief of staff didn't properly disclose at least $1 million in campaign expenses, but the panel votes to dismiss the conservative watchdog complaint filing show. And I thought this would be a pretty interesting uh, article to read. The Federal Election Commission's investigation into Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's campaign found that it and her former chief of staff did not properly disclose about $1 million in expenses. The National Legal and Policy Center, NLPC, a conservative watchdog group, had alleged in 2019 that Ocasio-Cortez's former chief of staff, Saikat Chakrabarty, funneled more than $1 million in contributions to Democrats through two PACs he controlled during her run for Congress in 2018. While the FEC found that Chakrabarty did in fact fail to properly disclose the purpose of the disbursements made to the brand new Congress and Justice Democrats PACs, a panel of three Democrats and three Republicans decided to dismiss the NLPC's complaint according to filings made public this week. The investigation ultimately found that any cash transfers from the two PACs that appeared to violate the $5,000 contribution limit to federal candidates, including one made to Ocasio-Cortez, were not accepted and returned. According to the FEC's investigation, AOC's campaign received a $5,650 contribution in 2018, but the campaign, like others who received excessive gifts, refunded the cash. The details of the FEC's decision, however, come more than 30 days after it closed the matter on February 27th in what the NLPC claimed was an effort to avoid a legal challenge by the group which had filed its charges against the FEC last month. So let's see. Wow. So there's about like $605,000 sent to Justice Democrats PAC, $261,000 sent to basically brand new Congress. Then there was a total of like $175,000 to different people within the candidate committees. It's pretty crazy when you really think about it. But the main thing to really understand about this is like, this part right here, the Justice Democrats pack and the brand new Congress pack, right? Is like, even though like these candidates aren't directly given the money, they still receive the benefits of this $1 million because these PACs are able to basically fund massive advertising campaigns to specific candidates. And that's something to really uh, think about. So Paul Kamenar, NLPC counsel, slammed the FEC for his decision, telling the New York Post, the FEC has gone after a whole host of people whose violations are dwarfed by the scale of the scheme. It appears to be not prosecutorial discretion, but prosecutorial favoritism. NLPC Chair Peter Flaherty said he received a letter from the FEC in February stating that the agency had dismissed the group's complaint and closed the case. The watchdog group fought a lawsuit against the FEC last Friday for its dismissal of the case and for failing to provide a proper explanation within 30 days of reaching its decision. 
Normally a suit would be filed after the details of the case were disclosed, allowing only a 30-day window for the decision to be challenged, but because the FEC waited for more than a month to disclose the details, the FEC filed their suit last week. It was highly irregular for the FEC to release a statement of reasons after the deadline for us to file suit, Tom Anderson, director of the NLPC's Government Integrity Project, told The Post. So AOC has, report, uh, has repeatedly denied any allegations of violating campaign finance laws. Chakrabarty now works as president of New Consensus, a think tank based in Silicon Valley, and he helped found both the brand new Congress PAC and Justice Democrats with the goal of bringing new and progressive members like AOC, a self-described democratic socialist, to Congress. After starting Brand New Congress, he formed a Delaware-based LLC, Brand New Campaign LLC, shifting the funds, avoided detailed disclosure requirements of itemized expenses. Among those who received disbursements from Brand New Congress LLC in 2018 were Democratic congressional candidates Adriana Bell of Texas, Anthony Clark of Illinois, Chardo Richardson of Florida, Brian Stone of Texas, U.S. Rep. Corey Bush of Missouri, Hector Morales of Texas, Michael Hepburn of Florida, Houston City Councilwoman Letitia Plummer of Texas, Paula Swerngen of West Virginia, Paul Perry of Pennsylvania, Robert Rice Ryers of Arkansas, and Sarah Smith of Washington, according to the filings. Ocasio-Cortez's office in Chakrabarty did not immediately return to DailyMails.com's request for comment. And it's pretty crazy when you really think about it. I mean, this really just goes to show you like how dirty a lot of these politicians and how they like end up raising money and all that kind of stuff. So here's the thing. Let's look at the comments. Let's see. Mr. Smith, I'm in Cali, and all the kids in my state will convince nearly every single others in her district not the woke or AOC approach someone cared. Like how they said, at least pathetic. Okay, if you are, if you were surprised or expect the swamp to prosecute one of its own, then you have not been paying attention for the last forty years to Washington D.C. or to the Democrats. Part for the course, your mama Sanjay L. Two tier justice system. She is a queen, untouchable. She will be president soon. Let's see. This person responded responded to this person saying, get out of here with that. No surprise to read this. So what's the point of a two-year probe if dirty Dems refuse to act on any illegality? Your systems are stuffed and broke, U.S. Is there any more comments? Let's see. Wilbur, some lady who wanted to go fund me to fix her grandma's roof and drives a Tesla. Oh, same lady who wanted to go fund me, wanted a GoFundMe to fix her grandma's roof and drives a Tesla, which also she ended up rejecting a lot of people's money as well. And what's also kind of funny is that her taxes is very suspect, right? Because apparently she makes like six figures a year, and yet... Basically, her taxes pretty much show that she has either made nothing or spent all of her money. 
completely. Like something crazy. Like it's really absurd. On the same double standard as Hunter Biden, a little favoritism seems they suspected foul play with then-President Trump tore everything apart, found zero, and yet kept coming back for more. Political, drop her in the middle of the ocean, please. Worthless piece of garbage. Messy chief of staff. Rules for thee. Yon, she's a Democrat. Law doesn't apply to them. Nothing will happen to them. Oh, Democrat. Okay. Laws do not apply to the elitists in this country, especially the far left. They should all be arrested if you're hot, you can get away with a lot of stuff. That's actually kind of true. Of course, they dismissed it. Red system. Bum, 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 bum. A perfect woman. I love her. You're not woman enough for her. <laughs> AOC cooperated, cooperated with the case and provided all the evidence required to clear her name of any wrongdoing. Why can't the people accused of the January 6th coup do the same? It clearly says she did do wrongdoings, it's even in the headline, but she wasn't cleared, she was guilty. And this is the thing, right? It's like, none of them have been actually really just cleared, it's just been basically dismissed. So, uh, it's just crazy when you think about it. Like, this is just something that, like, you read, and you're just, like, a little bit depressed, like, reading it. It's like, wow, like... Personally, I don't think any politician should be allowed to accept money from SPACs, right, period. And I don't think SPACs should be able to fund campaigns for candidates as well because there's just so much money behind it and it's so corruptible that it's actually pretty depressing. By the way, if you want to learn how to get a debt, go to 40 Biden extends the pause on student loan repayments until end of August as furious Megyn Kelly asks, why should I be paying for these snot-nosed college kids? Which, by the way, side note, this is still basically the best time to try to pay down your student loans because you're not paying interest. So if your goal is to get out of debt, work really hard to pay off your student loans. So let's get right into it. Former Fox News star turned conservative talk radio host Megyn Kelly blasted progressive rep AOC for advocating for student loan forgiveness, declaring that she does not want to pay for the college education of snot-nosed kids. Kelly weighed in on the hot-button issue Monday while interviewing the host of the popular right-wing podcast Ruthless on her daily Sirius XM program. The Megyn Kelly Show. AOC, a Democrat representing parts Queens, New York, has been urging President Joe Biden to use executive action to cancel federal student loan debt for everyone. And here's the thing that people need to understand, right? Even if they were to do this, it is pointless because they are still giving out loans. Right? It's basically like saying, like, hey, we're going to get rid of all of the drugs on the street to prevent people from being able to use illicit drugs. But we are also going to give you drugs. Or a better example would be we are going to stop. Actually, no, we're going to basically 
get rid of all of the opioids in circulation right now. But we're also still giving out opioids for patients. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. So after Biden failed to address the issue of loan forgiveness in his State of the Union address last month, AOC urged borrowers to keep bullying the White House to white clean a large portion of the national $1.7 trillion student debt. And here's another thing that people need to understand about the student debt in terms of how the government views it. This student debt, in the eyes of the government, is an asset. They are literally using the student debt as a way to make recurring revenue on the people. Think about that for a second, okay? They make money from taxes, but they also make money from giving out loans and having people pay them on those loans. So this strategy seems to have worked. On Tuesday, Biden announced he is extending the federal moratorium on student loan repayments until August 31st. In Kelly's takedown of the second-term congresswoman, she called AOC a one-trick pony who is willing to offer handouts to Americans as part of a strategy to save Democrats from a bloodbath during the midterm elections in November. Let's see. Oh, is there an audio? Eh. We took out loans too, and then we paid those loans back. That, why should these snot-nosed kids today? I'm sorry. The ones who really need it, they can get loans, right? But like, like you point out, a lot of these people are going to be these sort of college Columbia elite graduates who are going to spend their years in journalism trying to shame half of America for doing absolutely nothing wrong. Why should I be paying for their college education? I don't want to. So Kelly then asked her guests whether they had someone pay for their college education. Ruth's co-host, comfortably smug, recounted how he worked as a bouncer at a college dive bar in New York City to cover his tuition at a state school, which he said was within his budget. And here's a big thing that a lot of people do not understand when it comes to picking the right college, Right? The best way to avoid going into student loan debt is to find a college that is within your budget, within something that you can actually afford. If this means that you got to go to community college, then you got to go to community college because guess what? You will be saving tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on your education. Oh, by the way, after two years, you can pretty much transfer to almost any university. So everyone else in this country has always figured out a way to budget for their education. And again, it's progressivism masquerading as compassion, the conservative podcaster argued. It's a handout to the wealthiest liberal coastal. It's like the liberal coastal elite embodied. Kelly, 51, then shared with her guests and listeners how, after her father died of a heart attack at age 45, her mother used his entire life insurance policy to pay for her children's college education. We weren't rich to begin with, said Kelly, who famously walked away from her NBC contract with a $69 million settlement after being ousted for defending blackface on air. So it's not like he had some big, fat life insurance 
policy. Which, by the way, I mean, like, just saying, $69 million would be pretty nice to have. Just saying. So speaking of her late father, Edward Kelly, who taught at the State University of New York at Albany until his death in 1985, Megan said he had, like, the bare minimum life insurance for when you're in your 40s and a professor. Kelly said she and her two older siblings were forced to take out loans on top of the life insurance money to pay for their schooling, which honestly means that she went to a a pretty expensive school. Kelly earned an undergraduate degree in political science from the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs at Syracuse University in 1992, followed by a law degree from Albany Law School in 1995. And this is probably where she ended up taking the loans for this law degree. So do I think now that I would have been better if the federal government had stepped... had stepped it? I'm guessing stopped it. It would have been nice, but I don't think the neighbors should have to pay for my college education. The former Fox News star went on to argue that the snot-nosed kids today can take out loans to attend top schools like Columbia University. There are people... Their people are going to be elite graduates who are going to spend their years in journalism, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Let's see. Okay. So AOC is a sponsor of the Student Debt Cancellation Act, which would forgive outstanding federal and private for all borrowers, both past and present. On Tuesday, she tweeted in response to an announcement that the White House plans to extend the pandemic pause on student loan repayments through August 31st. I think some folks read these extensions as savvy politics. But I don't think those folks understand the panic and disorder it causes people to get so close to these deadlines just to extend the uncertainty. It doesn't have the effect people think it does. We should cancel them. Roughly 43 million federal student loan borrowers have not been required to make payments for more than two years since the CARES Act was first signed into law under Donald Trump. Interest rates on student loans held by the government will also remain at zero. It was due to end on May 1st, but officials are seeking to give Americans a few more months of relief as the economy continues to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic and while the cost of consumer goods continue to climb to record highs. And Kelly was not the only one who has upbraided AOC in recent days. Chris Moss, the organizer behind the successful unionization of the first Amazon warehouse in the country, publicly called out the congresswoman for backing out at the last minute from attending a pro-labor rally in August. As he celebrated victory for unionizing his Staten Island warehouse, Small said that AOC doesn't deserve this moment. Canceling student debt is one of the most powerful ways to address racial and economic equity issues. The student loan system mirrors many of the inequalities that plague American society and widens the racial wealth gap, wealth gap the lawmakers wrote. Student debt cancellation must be one of the key actions in your comprehensive approach to advance equity as our nation works to rebuild a stronger and more equitable economy. And nearly 8 million jobs, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So let's look at these comments. 
Why should anyone pay for the loans other than those who took the loans? I paid mine back for crying out loud. And here's the thing that you got to think about as well, right? I would have to agree. Because you got to view it like this. You made the decision or you signed on a piece of paper that you are going to pay back this money that you were given. That being said, a lot of these colleges, a lot of these people, these guidance counselors, all that kind of stuff, right? Basically convince a lot of students to get these student loans and think that's like the only way to end up going to school because one, they probably make a cut from it. But also it's like, like they really need to definitely change the way that student loans is given to students and really the better way to really do it right is not to give out loans but basically saying like hey if you were to finish your education at this school it will be for free but we will take a percentage of the amount of money that you make for the first five years of your working career. I believe some colleges are actually doing that right now. Because in that path, right, they are actually incentivized in helping you basically graduate and also finding a job because they're going to get a kickback probably of a sizable amount. At least that's one way to kind of like view it. That being said, it's just like the system is so like screwy, so messed up. So, I mean, just think, just think about how stupid it is that the government or these colleges are able to give out student loans worth six figures plus to people who have no job, no possible way of paying it back. But they can't give them like a loan for a business to start, right? Like they can't be approved for that. They can't be approved to buy a house. They can't be approved to buy a car without like any income. Because there's so many students that have zero income that are getting approved for $20,000 student loans for the first semester, $40,000 student loans for the first semester. Like it's crazy, right? You have no work history, you got no credit score, and you're able to get basically a 20 to 40 grand loan for your very first year or semester of a university or a college. It's absolutely insane. Let's see. Good. It will give me the chance to rack up a college tuition bill that I will forward to Joe. Can't wait to wave bye-bye to AOC on crack in January. Megan, you would never be back at Fox or any major network ever again. You will continue to broadcast from your makeshift home studio. You cross Trump, AOS, and NBC, talentless bottom feeder. Okay, shut up, MK. Not everyone is willing to get on their knees to make money like you, Megan. The most ridiculous demand that comes out of her mouth, AOC accepted the terms when she got the student loans. Now she and all the far-left liberal crybabies can pay their debts. Pay your own debt. Because, Megan, not everyone wants to blow their way through school and into a career as a right-wing propagandist like you. 
What about instead of forgiveness, we just make it more affordable? Still make people pay for their education, but make the cost make sense. Pandering alert. The Joe's new economy and the supposed lowest unemployment rate in history. Everyone should be able to find a job and pay back their loans. Pretty interesting. Feel free to give your own thoughts about this. And like, this is the thing, right? To me, it's more of a simple financial slash moral issue. The moral issue is like I sign on a piece of paper to get these student loans so I should be paying it back because that is the right morally choice. Second, the financial option is like you had the choice to not go to that university that is costing this amount of money. You had the choice to go to a community college. You had the choice to go to a different school. You had the choice to just not go to college and simply just get a job, right? You had the choice, right? So you chose the worst financial choice that you could have, right? That being said, anyone can get out of debt if they find, like basically follow a very simple path of doing it. So if you want to learn how to get out of debt, go to 40 But here's the thing, right? I mean, student loans should only be forgiven for those people who are physically incapable of ever paying the money back. So for example, if you pass away, obviously you should not be paying student loans. Two, if you end up becoming like completely fully disabled in some form, you should not be paying any student loans because there is literally no possible way that you could end up doing that. Which, by the way, within the programs, there are literally certain statutes, uh, statutes of basically where if you do become fully disabled and you have a note, you could have all of your student loans completely wiped away. Like that can happen and it has happened, right? Or if you fell to a, a fraudulent loan scheme, that could get wiped out as well. So something to really think about. Meghan Markle is trying to trademark the word archetypes. The Duchess bids to stop anyone else using the word which first appeared in the English language 470 years ago after deciding to use it for the title of her Spotify podcast. Wow. I mean, talk about like being entitled. Meghan Markle is now trying to trademark the historic word archetypes after announcing that her first series of podcasts for audio streaming giant Spotify would be called Archetypes. The Duchess of Success, Sussex, made the application at the United States Patent and Trademark Office last month, which covers the use of archetypes, a word which derives from the ancient Greek and first entered into the English usage around the 1540s. The dizzying list of goods and services involved are in the fields of cultural treatment of women and stereotypes facing women. They include everything from podcasts, television programs, DVDs, CDs, and entertainment services distributed through satellite and cable TV, 
global computer networks, the internet, wireless devices, mobile applications, set-top boxes, webcasts, and streaming media. The application was made by ArcWell Audio, one of a complex web of 11 companies established by Harry and Meghan and based in the opaque tax, tax haven of Delaware. It would mean they owned the trademark rather than Spotify, which paid them a rumored 18 million euros in 2020. Wow. Megan could face a legal challenge from companies that use the word in their names, such as the skincare and cleaning products business archetypes, which has already established a trademark. And Victoria Beckham fought a similar linguistic battle in 2002. The former pop singer known as Posh Spice tried to prevent the championship football team Peterborough United from trademarking their club's nickname Posh, arguing that the word was inexorably associated with her. The Archwell Foundation announced that the Couple Spotify podcast will finally debut this summer, 18 months after inking the lucrative deal, just two months after they called on their new employer to crack down on COVID vaccine claims peddled by Joe Rogan. So, like, think about it, right? They got, they got paid 18 million euros. They haven't done anything for 18 months. They're trying to trademark a word that has been and circulation for a while that they might also be facing legal battles over. And they also try to call out literally the world's biggest podcast because they're stupid. So Archetypes is hosted by Megan, who will speak to historians, experts, and women who have experienced being typecast. In a trailer for the Archwell Audio Project, the Duchess says, this is how we talk about women the words that raise our girls, and how the media reflects women back to us. But where do these stereotypes come from, and how do they keep showing up and defining our lives? The Duchess previewing the type of guests who will feature ads, This is Archetypes, the podcast where we dissect, explore, and subvert the labels that try to hold women back. I'll have conversations with women who know all too well how these typecasts shape our narratives, and I'll talk to historians to understand how we even got here in the first place. (sighs) Crazy. So Megan and Harry signed a lucrative deal with the audio streaming giant to host and produce podcasts estimated to be worth around 18 million euros and in late 2020, but they had only released one show so far, a holiday special featuring their son Archie and celebrity guests. Spotify and Archwell Audio said Spotify and Archwell Audio both value responsible stewardship of the audio landscape and, as explained recently, are committed to working closely to support transparency and strong principles of trust and safety. Megan has long been a campaigner on female empowerment. Spotify and Archwell Audio described her conversations with typecast women as uncensored and said the Duchess would delve into the origins of stereotypes. Former Suits actress Megan is also an executive producer on the series, along with Ben Browning, Archwell's head of content, and Rebecca Sinanis, Archwell's head of audio. The podcast will be produced by Archwell Audio in partnership with Gimlet Media for Spotify. So, let's see if there's any comments. Oh, 100 comments. Okay. Some people's horses are higher than others. Demented. Dear Lord, 2,000 likes for just demented. 
She should copyright the word irritating. There'd be no complaints then. 3,000 likes for that? Crazy. Bit late for April Fool's Day. 1,600 likes, basically, or upvotes, whatever. Poor Archie. 1,600 ups. She lives on another planet. 1,700 ups. But she wants to change the world to her advantage. 1,300 ups. How can you trademark a word that has been around hundreds of years and doesn't belong to you? 2,500 ups. She's definitely a bit above her station. Someone needs bringing down a peg or two. 1,400 ups. Oh dear, what a fool. How are these two just not getting the world is laughing at them? No one cares. And here's the thing, right? I mean, like imagine if you got paid 18 million euros or basically over like 22, 25 million dollars to basically do nothing. I mean, I mean, I'd take that money. I think a lot of people would. Oh, Harry, is reality starting to dawn? Not ever going to happen, not to mention the podcast will tank. She still has a warehouse full of 40 by 40 t-shirts and mugs, I hear. Ooh, do go away. Bonkers. What, really? She did not invent the word. She can't copyright it like Lucas did with droid. I thought it was the name of a racehorse. She's an archetypal... She's archetypical something for sure. He barely gets a mention now. Look at that picture. Harry's now standing behind Megan and having to peer around her for attention. Oh dear, never mind. WTF, she is mad. Me Gain, the archetypal narcissist. Was it Archie a comic character? No words. Why call her Duchess? Just call her Narc Marble and let her trade the name for Chicken Coop. Regardless of what she is calling her podcast, the content sounds excruciatingly boring. Please, someone, take their titles away or public opinion will take the whole royal thing away. Enough is seriously more than enough. Gosh, her children are bankrolling her new money-making schemes. Okay, I don't know. Boring, what a waste of $18 million. Here's the thing, Ray. I do agree that this was a complete waste of $18 million euros. <laughs> Megan is the true queen of people's hearts. 560 downs. Wow. We miss you, Princess Megan. Please come home. 500 downs. A campaigner on female empowerment, the last person I would want to represent me as a woman is Megan Markle. I wish she would stop patronizing us women. If her application succeeds, I'm going to trademark God. Wow. Oh, bore off. I have never heard of that word. Bore off. Interesting. Silly woman, she has the idea she is married to someone important, so the world must listen. She is like two short planks. This person needs some serious help. If true, these are dictatorship tendencies. Oh my, she's becoming despicable if this is true. Why is she still a duchess? I'm surprised she hasn't trademarked Megan so that she can join other single-named people such as Beyonce, Kanye, and even Cheryl. Let's see. 
Oh, the days when she was a second-rate actress. How we long for those back. She should apply to register the trademark daft couple. That is more, far more pertinent. Interesting. I mean, feel free to give your thoughts. And here's the thing, right? The way that I view this is like, one, why are you even doing this if you got paid? Well, actually, no. Why are you even doing this if you're quite literally basically married to a prince and you guys are filthy rich? Like, filthy rich. Like, why are you even bothering to do any of this? Like, at all. Right? Like, what is the point of any of this? Well, if you want to learn how to get out of debt and manage your money, go to 40 com. I just think this is like, honestly, a little bit entitled. Stacey Abrams reportedly raked in big bucks between Georgia governor bids. So basically, she got super rich. When Stacey Abrams first ran for Georgia governor in 2018, she was worth slightly more than $100,000. Today, as the Democrat makes a second bid for the office, her bottom line has improved substantially. In state disclosures filed last month, Abrams said she is worth $3.17 million, a far cry from the $109,000 in her bank account when she ran four years ago, the Associated Press reported on Tuesday. And yeah, that's a pretty darn big jump. That is 30x in four years. So in the years since her loss to Republican Brian, I guess Brian Kemp, Abrams has become a major national figure in the Democratic Party, playing a crucial role in get-out-the-vote operations in 2020, that helped President Biden become the first Democratic presidential candidate to win Georgia in 28 years. Weeks later, the Peach State elected two Democratic senators, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, a result for which Abrams also received credit. Abrams also earned $6 million during those years, primarily through the $5 million she got in payments for books and speeches. And here's the thing. Anytime you see a political individual making money from speeches, you always kind of have to look at that a little bit side-eyed because there's so many politicians, so many former presidents, so many former governors that basically make millions upon millions of dollars talking, right? But really, it's just like big companies that just slap them with a massive check. So the gubernatorial candidate, who was slammed in 2018 for her paltry bank account and lack of business acumen, is now being called an out-of-touch elitist by her critics. Garrison Douglas, a spokesman for the Georgia Republican Party, accused her of using her campaign as a platform for her own financial gain, and former President Donald Trump ripped her for living in one of those gorgeous multi-multi-million dollar houses. In response, Abrams has pointed out that her Republican rivals have an even higher net worth than she does. Kemp reported $5.2 million in assets on a disclosure last month, while David Perdue, the former senator and one-time Dollar General CEO, who is challenging Kemp in the GOP primary, has said he is worth $50 million. 
Now, that's pretty crazy, right? Being worth $50 million. So it is remarkable to me that success is now being demonized by the Republicans, Abrams told AP. I believe in success. I believe that every person should have the opportunity to thrive. And because I had three years where I was in the private sector, I leveraged all three years. And in that time, I've done my best to not only be successful personally, but to do what I can to help Georgians, she said. Abrams, who before running for governor in 2018, spent six and a half years as the minority leader of the Georgia House of Representatives, became a sought-after speaker following her defeat to Kemp. She gave 37 paid speeches in 2021 and has written or co-written or reissued six books since 2019, with another being reissued later this year, according to Seth Bringman, an Abrams campaign spokesperson. The spokesman. Abrams was also paid more than $700,000 over three years as executive director of the Southern Economic Advancement Project, the report said. Over those years, Abrams has paid off her student loan, congrats to her, credit card, and IRS debt, and went from having $5,000 in retirement account to a portfolio of $725,000 in stocks and bonds. Now, here's the thing. Skipping over whether or not how she made the money was, like, good or not, like, skipping over that, I do like seeing anyone doing this. I like seeing people who pay off their student loans, their credit card, their IRS debt, and ends up increasing their retirement account. I do like that for anyone, right? Because I want everyone in life to be doing well financially. Like, I want everyone to be doing better, right? Just a personal viewpoint of mine. Like, I like to see people just doing better financially. I hate seeing people having debt. Because the way that I view people having debt is that basically people who have debt are basically a slave to that debt. They are a slave to the companies that gave them that debt. For anyone. She also bought a $1.2 million home just outside Atlanta, as well as a house for her parents costing $370,000, on which she owes $280,000 on a mortgage. Now, that is something that I do not like. Hey, you made enough money, just buy it in cash for your parents and give it to them as a gift. You know? It's not clear how much Abrams is paying in taxes or how much money she has donated but the report said she set aside $560,000 in a tax account. That seems pretty low for uh, her taxes. Brigham said the candidate would release her tax returns after she files her 2021 forms, and Tate Mitchell, a spokesman for Kemp, said he will provide further documentation if necessary, but added that the disclosure forms should be sufficient. Purdue spokeswoman Jenny Sweat said he has filled out-of-state and federal disclosure forms and noted he has been transparent about his finances. And with post wires, okay. Uh, doesn't seem like there's any comments about this. And here's the thing, right? I mean, I don't really think like this is like necessarily that big of a deal. I mean, it's not really that surprising, right? And I think to really understand too, right? 
These politicians don't just make money because they're politicians and potentially are doing maybe something shady in terms of like trying to make the money with these speeches and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's also once you become a politician and once these different SPACs end up spending millions of dollars marketing you, you're now a national name, meaning you have basically become a, in quotes, a national celebrity, thus meaning there is going to be a demand for you now that didn't exist before. And that's something that people don't even uh, take to consider, right? Like, it's actually a kind of like a surprising thing. It's like, once you get a certain amount of people paying attention to you, you can make a lot of money. Like, a lot of money. And it's like a pretty disgusting amount of money, too. Now, also, I really wanted to check out this quick thing because I think this is, like, so messed up, right? This article. Albert Pajols announces divorce days after wife's brain surgery, right? Like, how crazy is that? So, Albert Pajoy's announced Monday that he and his wife, Deidre, are splitting up after she underwent successful surgery to remove a brain tumor. I've been asked a lot of questions over the past few days regarding what's been going on at home, and sadly, after 22 years of marriage, I have made the decision to file for divorce for my wife, Deidre Pajos said in a statement released by his agent, Dan Lozano. I mean, come on. I, anytime I see something like this, like, what, you didn't have the balls to bloody say this yourself? I realize this is not the most opportune time with opening day approaching and other family events that have recently taken place. These situations are never easy and isn't something that just happened overnight. The off-season, Pajos signed a one-year deal to return to the Cardinals, where he played from 2001 to 2011. He and Deidre had been married since 2000. And as a devout Christian, this is an outcome that I never wanted to see happen. Pajos continued in his statement, For many long days and nights, I prayed, asking the Lord for his guidance. And hey, here's the thing, right? If you uh, are a Christian and you do the marriage vows of the original marriage vows. Within those vows, they say, till death do us part. In sickness and health, till death do us part. So, you know, kind of breaking that rule, you know. But Joe's concluded his statement by noting that he and Deidre remain committed to raising their five children in a loving and safe environment. I am thankful for the five beautiful children that we brought into this road and remain committed to raising them in a loving and safe environment. I ask that you please respect our privacy and the privacy of our five children during this time. Yeah, pretty interesting. No comments on this one either. Yeah, feel free to give your thoughts on all of this. We'll see you in future episodes. If you want to learn how to get out of debt and manage your money, go to 40inbox.com.